0: Welcome to One Thin Dime, a comic book podcast focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics. I'm your host, Sammy, a.k.a. The Comic Book Kid. This podcast focuses on comic book characters that are important to the medium in terms of both historical significance and their effect on pop culture. Please remember, any characters I discuss on this podcast are the sole copyright of their respective owners. So, with no further ado... Let's check out what's on the shelves of the Old Five and Dime for my scarabeed 16th episode. From its beginnings, the comic book industry sought to create characters with a motif that would catch the attention of the reading audience. Creators scoured every phylum, genus, and species in the animal kingdom to find names that would spark interest and give readers an idea about a hero or villain's power set. It would only make sense that artists and writers would find much inspiration in arthropods. Arthropods include those members of the animal kingdom with exoskeletons, segmented bodies, and pair-jointed appendages. The scientific classification includes insects, which make up 90% of all living things in the animal kingdom. Think about it. There are a great number of characters that would really bug us, pun intended, here in the real world. From classic radio dramas about the Green Hornet to comic book and movie stalwarts such as Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Yellow Jacket, the Insect Kingdom has been a source of four-color fantasy. But there is one chitinous crusader that has been in the fabulous funny pages since the start. Dan Garrett, The Blue Beetle. This azure adventurer buzzed onto the scene in the pages of Fox Feature Syndicate's Mystery Men Comics, Issue 1, cover dated August 1939. The Beetle would start his first adventure as a Green Hornet clone in terms of couture, but by the second issue, Dan would have the blue union suit and scarab that would become his trademark. With each issue... Blue Beetle would metamorphosize, pun intended, into more of what we consider a traditional comic hero, gaining super strength and stamina using Formula 2X. Beetle would even get a spunky kid sidekick, Sparkington J. Northrup, better known as Sparky. With that said, let's bound into action and check out Beetle's first adventure in The First Appearance Flashback. My source for this episode is The Golden Age Blue Beetle, Volume 1, published by Guantanalan Comics under Public Domain Rights. Our story opens as rookie patrolman Dan Garrett is fired upon by a passing car as the vehicle pushes the body of Mr. Vander, a kidnapped banker, into the street. Despite his own wounds, the valiant Garrett checks on the man, who, with his dying breath, tells the officer that the culprits are... The White Face Gang. After reporting to his sergeant, Dan seeks the whereabouts of Vander's daughter and his secretary, John Brandis, using the now abandoned car that held Vander's body. Using his detective skills, Dan discovers the car was the property of a garage owner, Mike Ravini. After entering the small apothecary shop of his friend Abe, Garrett dons the blue suit and mask of the Blue Beetle no costume yet, just a nice three-piece suit, and streaks to the garage. Using his calling card, a small blue scarab, the Beetle surprises the kidnappers and convinces them that he has the bank vaults combination and will share the information for a 40% cut. As he accompanies the gang to the vault, Beetle uses his miniature radio to inform police headquarters. Upon arriving at the bank, the ringleader discovers that the combination is fake. But before his men could do anything, Beetle springs into action, throwing a gas capsule to distract the robbers before giving the closest thug a strong, hard left. As the police arrive to arrest the gang, the leader is unmasked as Brandis. The next day, Dan's partner, Mike Mannigan, shares that he almost caught the Blue Beetle. Dan replies, you did? Maybe you'll get him yet. And that, dear listeners, is how the Blue Beetle debuted in the panels of comic book history with a very Green Hornet M.O. But who created Dan Garrett and his alter ego? This definitely will be an interesting look behind the comic curtain. inspecting the creator credits for the initial Blue Beetle adventure, readers will spot the name Charles Nicholas. This is where our mystery begins. The name Charles Nicholas was an often used house name from the Eisner-Iger studio. Will Eisner, see my teeny tiny 10th episode for more on him, and Jerry Iger, would be one of the early comic packagers, providing material for numerous publishers, including Victor Fox. Publishers held the rights to any character in the magazines, but this also included the creator's name, so he or she couldn't claim ownership. This gave rise to the use of pseudonyms in early comic books. During the creation of the Blue Beetle, at least three different creators at Eisner Iger would use the Charles Nicholas name. These included Charles Nicholas Kadera, Charles Wojcikowski, and Jack Kirby. Though Kadera would claim in his later years to have been Beatles' creator, comic book historians have mostly cited Wojcikowski as the artist for Beatles' first foray into the four-color pages things continue to get muddied due to the fact that it is possible that Will Eisner himself may have scripted the tale. This type of mangled creation process has played comic book history through much of the golden and silver ages. But I have to give credit to both Charleses, who did work on the strip. Charles Chuck Cadera, would be the artist who brought Black Hawk to comic readers for Eisner Iger and published by Everett Busy Arnold's Quality Comics. Kidera would continue to ink Black Hawk's adventures over Dick Dillon's pencils after the character moved to DC in the Silver Age, along with inking issues of Hawkman and The Brave and the Bold. Charles Wojciechowski, Golden Age work would include credits on the Defender for Tom Lee's U.S.A. Comics, as well as working on issues of Captain America, Human Torch, Submariner, All Winners, and Marvel Mystery. Wilcowski's career would continue into the Bronze Age with the 1978 adaptation of Star Wars for Vincent Fago's Pendulum Press. Now that we know a little about the creator creators behind the Blue Beetle. I think we need to check out his history in comics. Guess it's time to look at Beatles' Titanic Timeline. The Blue Beetle would star in all 31 issues of Mystery Men comics with the ending cover date of February 1942. Beatles' self-titled series would launch with a cover date of December 1939 Fox would publish the first 11 issues of the title before facing bankruptcy. Beetle would retain its numbering with issue 12, June 1942, after being purchased by Holyoke Publishing. Of particular interest to sharp-eyed comic fans, Holyoke's first issue of the series would require them to obscure the Fox FP logo on the cover. The publisher simply placed a white oval over that logo. No sense in redrawing an already spectacular cover by Ramona Pintanod. That's a crater I really want to learn more about. Holyoke would continue to publish Blue Beetle until issue 30, February 1944, when Fox would regain rights to the property and publish the title until issue 60, August 1950. There are a few notes of interest during Fox's second run on the Blue Beetle. Due to the gaps in the publishing schedule, issue 43 of the series was never published. Issue 42 was cover dated August 1946, and 44 was October 1946. Additionally, Frederick Wortham would call out the Azure adventurer in his book Seduction of the Innocent. Calling Beetle a Kafka esque nightmare. Finally, like many comics produced during the later half of the 1940s, Fox would have to contend with a series of more racy crime comics that were hitting the newsstands. Starting with issue 47, August 1947, through issue 57, July 1948, the Beetle himself would start to get smaller on each cover. But the female victims started to take center stage. Sometimes referred to as Good Girl Comics or Headlight Comics, it was this type of exploitation of gender and violence in the industry that would lead to the Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency and the rise of the Comics Code Authority. Beyond his own title, Dan Garrett would appear in seven issues of Fox's Big Three comic, alongside heroes such as Samson and The Flame. Beetle also would have stories published in all top comics, issues 8-13, through November 1947 to September 1948. The Golden Age version of the Beetle would also appear in the story, included in issue 13 of Phantom Lady, August 1947. Once more, Victor Fox would face bankruptcy for Fox Feature Syndicate in 1950. Beetle would be sold to Charlton Comics. Charlton would begin reprinting Golden Age stories in Space Adventures issue 13, October 1954, and 14, January 1955, along with four issues of a self-titled book numbered issues 18 to 21. Charlton had a habit of continuing numbering but changing the titles. This series was originally the thing for the first 17 issues and change to Mr. Muscles with Issue 22. The final appearance of our Golden Age incarnation of the Blue Beetle would be in Charlton's Nature Boy Issue 3, dated March 1956. But is this truly the end of our Cobalt Crusader? Is this the last time we see Dan Garrett? Maybe we should look at some heroic inspiration. The legacy of the Golden Age Blue Beetle is an interesting one. Victor Fox often proclaimed himself as the king of comics. He wanted to be the best, brightest, and biggest name on the block, and christened the Blue Beetle as the second coming. Or third, really, Superman and Batman being one and two. Along with his comic appearances, Beetle would also be featured in radio serials and a newspaper comic strip. January 8, 1940, would be the debut of the Blue Beetle in the Boston Evening Transcript, possibly the only paper to run that strip. The most historical aspect of the newspaper strip is that this time, Charles Nicholas was actually Jack Kirby. Beetle would be Kirby's first superhero work. Similar to the newspaper strip, The Blue Beetle radio program would also be short-lived, running from May 15th to September 13th of 1940. The first 13 episodes would have Dan Garrett and his alter ego, voiced by Frank Lovejoy, while the remainder of the run was an uncredited actor. The serial would include 48 episodes, most of which were two-parters. Fox would even arrange to sponsor a Blue Beetle Day at the 1939 New York World's Fair. This August 7, 1940 event included a relay race at the Field of Special Events. In comics, Charlton would reimagine the Blue Beetle for the Silver Age. This time, Dane Garrett, now with two Ts, was cast as an archaeologist who, upon finding a sacred scarab, becomes the Blue Beetle the title would run for five issues, starting with Issue 1, cover dated June 1964. In more Charlton zaniness, the new version of the Blue Beetle would return in another self-titled series numbered 50 to 54, continuing the numbering from Unusual Tales and becoming Ghostly Tales with Issue 55. Charlton would again try to create a new Blue Beetle with Steve Ditko and Joe Gill. Ted Cord would first appear in Captain Adam, issue 83, November 1966. Cord would take the mantle from Dan, now retconned to be his college professor. The Ted Cord Blue Beetle would appear in four issues of Captain Adam before following in Garrett's footsteps of having a five issue title run of his own. Following a few Charlton guest appearances and two appearances, In AC Comics, AmeriComics, and Sentinels of Liberty, Ted would be the Beatle to make the jump to DC Comics in 1985. DC would continue Ted's story until 2005's Infinite Crisis series, where Ted Cord was murdered by Maxwell Lord. The new Beatle would be introduced as Jaime Reyes, a teenage protagonist that found Garrett's sacred scarab. By DC's rebirth, Ted was returned to the land of the living as a mentor to Jaime. While at D.C., the Ted Cord Blue Beetle would also be the inspiration for the Hollis Mason, Dan Dryberg, Night Owl character in Moore and Gibbons' Watchmen. The legacy of the Golden Age Blue Beetle has remained alive due to the character's public domain status. Independent publisher Lucky Comics publishes a series of adventures by Danny Garrett, The granddaughter of the Golden Age Beetle, outside of comics, both Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes appeared in episodes of the animated Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Ted and Jaime appear together in the Season One Episode Eight, "The Fall of the Blue Beetle," and Season Two Episode Twenty, "Menace of the Madnicks." While Jaime alone guest-starred in Smallville Season Ten Episode Eighteen, "Booster." Depending on the number of CW Arrowverse fans listening to this podcast, you may have watched DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Many fans have commented on the out-of-character portrayal of Ray Palmer. Well, that's because the casting was originally supposed to be Ted Cord. And with that, I guess it's time to bug out of this episode. There has been a form of the Blue Beetle in every major era of comic book history. This truly is a testament to the significance of the character and the inspiration he or she has had on readers and creators alike. We continue to hear rumblings of possible Blue Beetle appearances on both our television screens and the silver screens. It would make this podcaster very happy. ...to see the beetle introduced to a larger audience. I hope you enjoyed my exploration of the Blue Beetle. If you like my show, please leave me feedback on your podcatcher of choice or just tell a friend. The show is available on Apple, Google, Overcast, and Podcast Addict, among others. Additionally, if there are characters you would like to see featured on this podcast... Please email me at one thin dime podcast at gmail.com. I appreciate any creative comments that can better the listening experience. Funny story I told my manager I was focusing this episode on the Beatle. He asked me which was my favorite, and I told him Ted. He looked at me confused and said he loved Ringo. With that said, join me next week for my strange 17th episode. And just remember, all of these adventures were once available for one thin dime. Thanks for listening.